0: Yeah, I mean, first thing I would just say is like vulnerability is confidence, like the ability to show your underbelly when you're supposed to have this like tough exterior and be like, hey, here's me for everything that I am like that takes balls in and of itself. So to do that with your bros, do that with a significant other, to do that with friends, family, with anyone really. Like, that's
1: confidence. You are listening to the Live Better show with Brett and Jason, where we dive into life crushers changing their game, talking about wellness, and sharing a message of putting plan into action. Live Better is based on five pillars move better, eat better, think better,
2: give better, and live better. We move for freedom to do and go where and when we want. We practice good nutrition to combat an age of being overfed and undernourished. We practice mindfulness for ways to live purposefully. We give better as the basis for why we do anything at all, especially when focusing on the health of our clients and community.
1: And at the intersection of it all, we live better. Health and wellness is the sustainable fuel to do whatever it is in life you want to do better. Our guests share their story, their mission, and the pursuit of having the best day ever every single day. Hey! Turn up, bitch! (laughs) The Live Better Show is brought to you by Live Better Retreats. Come join us on an epic adventure where we will fuel your body, your mind, and your spirit to accomplish new goals. This time is the right time for you to join us on an epic Live Better experience. This full immersion opportunity will grant you access to the best in nutrition, wellness, movement, yoga, and an amazing community you will bring home after the trip. Right now, you can join us on a Live Better experience to have the best day ever, every single day. Let's crush it, fam.
2: Hey guys, welcome to the Live Better Show. Super excited to have Paul Klingen on the show today. He is a trainer and founder of Down Dog Athletics, also an instructor at Barry's Boot Camp and Lululemon Ambassador. What's up, Paul?
0: What's up, man? Thanks for having
2: me. My dog on here today. So we're going to have a discussion about mental health, and we're going to go through a bunch of the different elements of kind of this singular mental health model. It's definitely not all-encompassing, but I think it's got a lot of really great um, elements and talking points that we're going to go through and discuss, and today highlight a lot of how those affect men specifically. Um, Paul, I, I know I've been admiring your thoughts and um, really progressive viewpoints on pushing, talking about men's health or men's mental health. Um, Can you just talk a a little bit about what you've been up to in that space Um, and maybe just kick us off?
0: Yeah, totally. Uh, So in the last 30 days, especially, I've been having this 90 day meditation challenge. And it's something that as I've gotten out of, like last August, I was working at Amazon doing the full corporate thing. I'd started my own business eight months before that. Um, but it's always kind of been like, yeah, like the physical or being an athlete is super important, but there's this mental spiritual side that I was able to access through my yoga practice, but that so many men are missing. Um, and so since really a year and a half ago, my whole mission just been kind of like bridge, bridge the gap between someone who's athletic or masculine or identifies with, um, one side that doesn't see how, you know, mental health or yoga or something that would be deemed as, you know, not manly or not something that's usable, but it's like when you add that element in, then you fuse those together and you really unleash your true power. So again, it's something that's super valuable to me because until I had my daily meditation or I had, you know, this self-awareness that I was able to develop through yoga, there's so many things that as a man and just as a human in general, like I was missing the mark on, and things that you know, I go back and I regret, but at the same time too, if I hadn't gone through all those failures, I wouldn't have been able to have that self-awareness and then be able to help other people through what they might be going through, because I always feel like if you fail or it's like a silhouette, like if you fail around a silhouette, you can learn like what the actual right path is, because you failed all the way around it. And so yeah. um, that's for me where mental health is super important. It's affected loved ones. Uh, It's affected people at school I've gone to. And so it's just kind of what I really value. Um, And again, always in concert with being the best athlete, being the best physical uh, person you can be as well.
2: Yeah. And that's so interesting listening to you talk about that from an athletic point of view. Um, And I love your company name, down dog athletics. This is a cool bridge between yoga and the athlete. And it's something that, you know, Brett and I have definitely dealt with and are pushing here in Chicago, but it's an interesting thing to talk about because even getting back to like your stereotypical view of what guys do, yoga was never in that picture. right? Well, for most athletes, they're not doing something like yoga. They don't have a spiritual practice and mental health doesn't really get talked about. And it's been interesting seeing a lot of these brain injuries come out of the NFL. It's interesting hearing how locker rooms work, how you know our armed forces work like these things just don't get talked about because you are judged, because you might get passed over for things because you don't feel safe. I was watching something last night and uh, the quote was like, mental, we, don't, we don't talk about mental health because we want to protect the people that we care about. And the response was, no, you don't talk about mental health because you're trying to protect yourself, which is just so interesting because you're sharing something so vulnerable yes. that somebody might judge you for that. I was actually I was talking to my mom about that. And I was like, you, know, you would never share certain mental health issues with people because they would deem you unstable. Like what happens if you go in and tell your employer about that or your coach about that? especially for guys who have this, you know, like you have to be masculine and what that means. So I'm so glad you've been having that conversation. Do you have any, before we hop into each of these sections elements, do you have any just like specific anecdotes about you being an athlete yourself? I know uh, you played baseball in college, so maybe you could talk about that too.
0: Yeah. I mean, first thing I would just say is like vulnerability is confidence, like the ability to show your underbelly when you're supposed to have this like tough exterior and be like, Hey, here's me for everything that I am. Like that takes balls in and of itself. So to do that with your bros, do that with a significant other, to do that with friends, family, with anyone really like that's confidence. Uh, And the big thing that I would just say is like, there's so many things where like as an athlete or as a guy, like anytime I've suppressed an emotion or a feeling and pushed it deep down that emotions, energy in motion, it's not going to go anywhere. You can't just <laughs> yeah. get rid of it. And so it manifests into something bigger. So my favorite analogy is like a baked potato. If you don't poke holes in it, like it's just going to eventually get to a point where like it explodes. Uh, and you see that so much with men um, and whether that's like, they're lashing out in anger on the field and drawing personal foul penalties or you see uh, in a social environment or like in a relationship where you have like domestic abuse. And it's like, these are all things that can be addressed, should be addressed, should be addressed sooner. But guys just feel like if I open up about this and also it's not taken as serious. Like if I were, if I were just like pull a bunch of athletes and be like, all right, if you have a broken leg, they're going to be like, you can't play. But if you're having like severe anxiety or like really tough mental issues and you're go to your coach with that, it's like, all right, sweet you're still going to play it like this. Yeah, get
2: your shit together.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, and so it's it's all things that, you know, again, if I wish that I had had someone at my age when I was 18, 19, who had been like, hey, this is an, a route that you can go to help unlock like all that stuff internally that you're going through that you may not even realize.
2: Yeah, I, and, and to get into that, I want to break down sort of what that feels like because i think that the picture of mental health is a little bit unclear something that i'm working on this month is just trying to unpack what all of that looks like um and just like being a health coach and trainer you know you, you don't squat deadlift without lunging you don't you know you can't run before you jog and breaking down the elements of like what's good fitness breaking that down for what your goals what your contacts is super important and i think that that clears some of the ambiguity of what mental health actually is so i've found this kind of like uh elemental model of health and i saw it framed in mental health somewhere i'm not quite sure actually where it came from but it's got sort of six pieces it's got social physical emotional intellectual environmental and spiritual so it's got six elements just kind of want to walk through all six of those because I've started to have some thoughts and like share some feelings on mental health from a big overview, but I want to get a bit more granular and think about um, the way that each of these six elements affect us day-to-day, they affect goals, and then they also are not mutually exclusive. So one might affect the other and how they kind of play in and, and would love to have a discussion with you about that on some strategies you have for each section, maybe some challenges you face, things... You maybe work through with clients, um, which of them are most important to you? Because I think some different people weigh differently. Um, And then for each one, how does this maybe adversely affect men specifically and opening up that conversation? So the first one is social. So how does sort of social health play into your mental health? And you can just start with kind of like any broad topic on that. Yeah,
0: well, I think it's like awareness, like social awareness and awareness of like how people are portraying emotions and how you're portraying emotions, how you're coming across uh, for me is a really interesting one um, around social health. Um, but then also it's like how you see yourself mentally in a group of people. Uh, and so what's like a healthy way for you to, you know, maybe be like maybe you want to be the center of attention and that stems from an insecurity of like not getting enough attention. And so it's like, how can you have the awareness to be like, I'm acting out because like it's an opportunity to be funny and I'm doing that first. I'm trying to be the center of attention in this social situation. And that's just me not being comfortable or being insecure. And so you see that a lot with like being funny. It's something that I struggled with a ton in high, in high school, in college, like my team's teammates sometimes hated me and it's because like I would thought I was acting out and being funny, but it's really, I just didn't have like the social perception and acuity to realize that there's times when not saying anything is the best thing to say. Um, (laughs) And so it's, it's a little bit, um, you know, it's kind of like for me socially awkward, but it all stems from like how you see yourself in a social situation. Um, You know, and there's also like power dynamics that you can look at too, where it's like someone's trying to exert their power and their will in a group setting at work. And it's like, how do you read those um, signs that someone might else be saying, or that you are putting off and really be able to kind of like judge the situation and approach it um, in like a, a healthier way. First trying to just like stomp through the room or realize like, Hey, I need to speak up more. My insecurity that again, is something inside your mind that's saying, I don't have a powerful voice in the social situation. Um, so for me, it's like having a healthy balance of how you interact with other people, which again, is all gonna stem from how you see yourself.
2: Yeah, that, that kind of like self-reflection in a group setting is really important. And I don't think enough people take enough time to self-reflect on the way that they do that. We uh, have been talking about The fact that you're the average of the five people that you spend the most time with and how in social situations that starts to add up. And this kind of bleeds into one of the other elements, which is environmental. Um, But one thing that I had been thinking about a lot is serving my most important relationships really well, because what's interesting about social health, and it, it also ties into emotional health, is we always take out our shit on the people that are the closest to us first. If I had to order my most important relationships, it's my wife, my family. So parents and siblings, my work relationships and friends. And it's interesting that the people that are closest to you, like bear the greatest burden, like on purpose, because you're there for them. But if we don't have enough emotional awareness, the fact that that is part of your social life, like those people are driving you or encouraging you to hang out with different people they are driving a lot of your emotional health and being very cognizant of the way that we handle those emotions. And I want to talk about that more when we get to emotional health. But um, I reprioritized a lot of my relationships over the last year and thinking about those in different groups. We kind of had this social atmosphere. We had this business atmosphere and then health and prioritizing your time on who you give time to for your social health is also really important. I yeah. know a lot of guys coming out of college, if they haven't ever been in a serious relationship before, too, sort of still get in this very like college, I just want to hang out with my guys, my boys mindset instead of saying, like, hey, I need to be a mature man and yeah. show up for the people in my life, like my family, like my spouse or significant other, whoever that might be, instead of trying to play that game where I'm just the guy's guy and then understanding how you fit in those social situations ultimately depends like ultimately determines how you treat those people also
0: yeah i love i love the point that you brought out about the five people closest to you and i would can put that into like it is social but it totally draws into environmental as well to that point though about like you get a guy coming out of an athletic or maybe a fraternity out of college it's like you need in order to have like a diverse social background or makeup or be able to adapt in a different room like you have to have friends or people that you interact with socially that are going to give you different feedback, different perspectives, different life stories so that you can have empathy towards so many different types of people. Because if you only have like one prong in the ground and your other two po- two prongs of a tripod are like really weak because everyone that you hang out with is a certain type of person. Yeah. <laughs> and very strong and you're going to lose your balance. You're not going to be as rooted and grounded in every type of situation. It's going to be tough to be really balanced in every situation. but like, from a a socially mental health standpoint, like having a diverse group of people that you interact with is going to do wonders for your ability to um, be socially like healthy and how you interact and, and understand again, coming from empathy or relating to people. Like one of the best advices my dad ever gave me was like, one of the best skills you can have is your ability to relate to people. If you can only relate to the the five guys that you play sports with and it's going to be hard to relate to that musician that you work with at work
2: yeah i mean and to your point about um only servicing like one of those silos i was reading a super interesting thing uh the other week i think the wall street journal put it out and it had a a story about suicide clusters where multiple people from the same even from the same friends were committing suicide. They were high school students. And they came from like middle to middle upper class, like white kind of wealthy environments. And I thought it was so interesting. How do you have multiple kids commit suicide? And there was a lot of data on the fact that like one promotes more from the same community, but they had studied a few of these different clusters. And one of the main points that came out of it, which I found to be so because I had never really thought about it this way before is they made a comment on very homogenous communities also have very similar standards, values, and expectations. And if you happen to not fit that and you don't feel like yourself, you start acting like somebody else. Yeah. Well, if you have 10 white male, like straight people in one group and you have one black gay male in the same group they're gonna have very different thoughts on relationships and on dating and if you don't feel like you can fit in because there are these expectations that creates like a very very unstable or can create a very very unstable thought process and in, in these communities I think they were commenting the most on expectations about getting into a good school and what kind of grades you should get and anything deviating from that was sort of like hush, hush. They were like, oh, no, that's not what you're going to focus on. You get like the very strict parent who's not encouraging you to be different, um, which is so interesting because I think our generation does a great job of building up the fact that people want to be different. We're all celebrating our differences as a value add rather than subjecting them to some type of judgment. Um And just reading that was really, really interesting. And that was like a huge change in my mind on um, just another added perspective of why diversity, not only like sexual orientation or race, but even just the way people think, the way people act, what you are, value in other people. Yeah, it's so, so important. How does, uh, you know, moving to this next one, the physical block of mental wellness, we could talk about this for weeks on end but um how does your physical wellness play into your mental health
0: yeah well i can tell you right now personally i uh, just recently got in an accident and not being able to exercise um uh, you know that physical activity does such a good thing of keeping me one confident like when i when i got my body right and i'm being athletic and i'm doing what i know that does so many things for like all right i've worked out now I've got so much momentum going into my day. I'm going to go crush what I need to do for work. Or I'm going to go have a really good like, dinner with my girlfriend. Um, so, and there's all the the science behind the chemicals that are released after you exercise, and how depression, anxiety, and all these things really uh, start to feel better essentially when you exercise. And so, for me, like the physical health. Um, play such a big role, but also I was recently reading in a book *Turning Pro*, where it talked about things like meditation, like yoga, different physical practices that are used to get you more in tune with your your spiritual self and with your mental self. And so, for me, also like I love saying to people when they're like, "Oh, how do you meditate?" It's like if you go for a long walk and you're able to do something subconscious. It's really yeah, like, maybe you're a potter and you're just putting stuff, but you're able to. Do that so easily that you're able to like really think deep and get into the like soul of who you are and in your mind those are opportunities running some another really good example where like you find something physical that you're still so in the groove with that you're able to in a way meditate while you're being really active
2: last year i had a super bad injury too and it kept me out of moving at least from my normal day-to-day when you are you you're currently experiencing the symptoms from this injury what are you doing to keep yourself kind of like physically healthy even while you can't do your normal routine and maybe how does that then play back into building up some of that confidence because I know that my routine completely changed I couldn't use my legs essentially so it was wow. all upper body stuff and I had to reframe all things I was working on running was one of my main goals at the time which obviously sucked to just like totally reframe and and kind of like think differently that way. So what are some of the things you're doing to stay kind of physically healthy to then support your mental health, even while you're not on your normal game?
0: Yeah. So with physical stuff, for a lot of guys, like really, any athletes will relate to this, but it's like, at the end of the day, like you want to compete, grow and get better. So you take the mindset of, all right, what can I do? I can work on my core strength because that's something that is prescribed by my physical therapist. And it's something that I can work to get better on. Um, but you also And want to see growth and just like my growth might just not be in my squat deadlift and bench, which is where my focus was. Now it's like, how many books can I smash out in the next? (laughs) (laughs) How many, how many like things can I gamify and be competitive about where it's like, all right, I'm no longer pouring all of my energy resources into something physical or at least I'm taking what I would be pouring into my workouts. And it's like sweet. nine, I have another hour, hour and a half to pump out content or to, um, know spend with other people and because there's uh, there's other pillars in life outside of the physical uh but it also it's also made me realize it's like all right now i can pivot and try and figure out like sweet this is an opportunity to create other ways to help people outside of needing my body to be there in person to provide value to someone
2: yeah that is huge that's big for me too because my whole life is my body When, when after i had this injury it was super interesting Somebody asked me, like, oh, you know, why do you like exercise so much? And, you know, what does that do for your mental health? It's kind of asked that question, like, how do you keep your mindset well? So then I started to frame like different types of exercise for different reasons. So I started to think, like, okay, as a male, I really like doing things that reward aggression. It's just a natural response. Like, I want to lift hard. I want to run fast. Um, I like playing contact sports. I grew up playing you know, every sport I possibly can. Um, But then I also really, really have enjoyed doing things that are non-aggressive and that reward creativity. So two of those things for me, that's why I started to get so into yoga, was it was this cool, really like non-aggressive outlet of movement. Like you don't get rewarded for being ultra aggressive. You get rewarded for mindful movement, for thinking about it. And that is then kind of a connection into a lot of these other facets of mental health, when you can then connect into something that's not so physical. Like, yes, you are using your body as a way to prepare to think about things in a different way or um, to be able to be more creative, to tap into some more creative stuff. Like I think rock climbing does the same thing for me. You use your mind and complex decision making way more than you do if you're just going out for a long run. And then the third element for me was that I had to have a skill. I think growing up playing soccer like the skill was obviously anything I needed for my sport. Yeah. But now it's things like picking up surfing or teaching myself how to do a handstand or backflip, anything where it takes a bit of concentration, a little bit of risk, and it's something that I never knew previously how to do, like a lot of a lot of self-taught you know, looking things up, I think that kind of keeps me motivated. And it it always keeps me motivated when I get sick of running, then this is what I go to Or when I get sick of lifting. It's like, how can I add in a skill that looks cool? I need to try that I'm not good at it. I have a need I have to be good at it. Um, but those last two pieces have been big, because I think, you know, especially from any type of like contact sport athlete, everything you do all the time is uh, rewarded, or like aggression is rewarded. And then look at how that then translates to a lot of these things like NFL is having an absurd number of issues with domestic abuse. Um, and it's it just not any wonder, like you you get why it's intolerable, but you get why these guys come off the field after thinking like, it's either do or die. Yeah. And then do this like there isn't any coaching on this there isn't any back and forth there is no open discussion on it it's just hush hush because if you aren't acting like that like you will get killed and not being able to turn that off through some type of emotional control or like evaluation of mental health is a serious issue and that's something that I that's why I like the the non-aggressive things like yoga um, even meditation, which physically you're sitting down or doing something, you're putting your body into a physical position to then allow your mind to relax. I get, just got out of a float tank. So that was a big thing for me. It's like doing something physical, like sensory deprivation, yeah, cutting off some senses to allow other ones to flourish. Um, specifically just to like relax in your own mind for a bit of time has been really, really helpful.
0: Yeah. I love the parallel to like the athlete being ultra aggressive and then, from like a yogi going into meditation because they're really polar opposites of the spectrum in terms of like upstate, like you are completely in your fight or flight, like react mode. And your your mind is in a way shut off because everything is so like, I've seen this before subconsciously, so I'm just reacting to it. It's where you get into a meditation, you're also in your mind, but it's so like responsive and yeah. downtime. And at, in a way, both of them are like, you're in the zone. Like the same way, if you get in a deep meditation, you can't hear anything outside. Like I can't hear the siren, but if I'm also at the free throw line, four seconds left in the fourth quarter, like I don't hear the fans. And so like, they have so many similarities, but to your point, like it is such an issue and you, there needs to be a way and an outlet and even just a conversation and tools for them to get that full width, that full spectrum in both ranges of motion of their, their psyche and of their being.
2: Yeah. It's a perfect segue. So the next section is emotional, um, and talking about the way that we process emotions and how, you know, maybe, maybe share a way that you've struggled to do that or something that a specific story or something that you have, um, where your emotional health has taken a toll and how you maybe use some of your other strategies you've already talked about to pick yourself back out of that.
0: Yeah. I think one thing that, um, gets should get talked about more just like emotional IQ and your ability to properly like label and understand what you're feeling. Like people get all these feelings and they don't know how to like be like, okay, that's anger. That's sadness. That's happiness. That's joy. I did a weird random exercise like a year ago. I was able to go from synonyms of love all the way to hate in like seven words. So if you go love passion, and then all of a sudden you're into like rage, fury, hate, it's like people are like oh i love this person it's like do you really or or is it something else that like is that emotion that you're feeling um and then also just understanding too like emotion emotions don't last you if you're holding on to like an anger from like 90 seconds you're angry and then you hold on to that anger that's like holding your own showers after the rainstorm is. (laughs) that's a good analogy Yeah. And so just having, again, that's where like self-awareness and journaling and meditation is so valuable. Um, For me, I know like personally, like it is exhaust. Like if you are really emotional, it's physically exhausting. And so like, for example, like I've, I've harbored like, like jealousy or anger um, towards other guys or towards like an ex-girlfriend or something. And it, it takes a physical toll in your soul, because you're storing that energy, it needs to go somewhere. But when you let it go, you can feel that like physical release in your soul, in your spirit of letting go of that anger, of that hate towards that one person. And it's like, what might have happened three years ago, two years ago, for you to let that wear you down, that's like literally okay. being stabbed with a little pencil every single day. And you're just like, you're not going to bleed out, you're not going to die, but it's like you're losing. The- Every single day, and it's like as soon as you let go, then from an emotional standpoint, you can heal. Um, but that, like, that, for me, that those are like that's not a specific example, but there's been several times in my life where I had to let go, and as soon as I let go of that emotion, I became healthier mentally.
2: Yeah, that is a uh, really good example of the way that a emotions are short term, and Like you've made the example before, they're like the weather. Um, They're not a climate, they're weather. So it's constantly coming and going. One thing that helped me, I read this book called uh, Choke, it's sitting right next to me. The author talks about interpreting your emotions different ways and that people have a very hard time understanding when and how to reframe an emotion from positive and negative. So Brett and I always talk about, I mean, our tagline is my hat on right now is have the best day ever, every single day. And that is just a choice to be positive, not negative. That is the choice for half full instead of half empty. And that complaining is a choice. But then we have these more sort of finite emotions that you were talking about. They get a lot harder to define. And if you want to make it tangible, one that's really helped me, which I've always struggled with. So I used to have a little bit, of anxiety and just like just not being nervous but just not being not counting the instead of feeling like my i had a nervous pit in my stomach reinterpreting that as i have butterflies because i'm excited yeah so the butterflies versus the nervous pit there's um just understanding that you can interpret something as yes i feel butterflies because i'm excited not I feel butterflies because I'm so nervous. And then that produces such a negative response because yeah. it definitely does. We we have to, you know, to, to pull back to your, uh, to give an athlete example on the free throw line, you could choose to notice how many eyeballs are bearing down on you. How many people are watching on TV, how much distraction, people are banging the balloons in the background, or you could say, I'm in this massive game that I'm like meant to be here for. I'm excited, take a deep breath, reframe the way we feel, knock down the shot. Yeah. In the same way we can do with negative emotions, like this person is making me angry because X, Y, Z. Why are these things making me angry? And in the short term, being able to reinterpret that, like this is what this person has going on. This is my EQ and being situationally aware of understanding why they feel like that, and why they're taking it out on you. And then being able to reframe how that makes you feel, even if that's just your immediate response to it and understanding that maybe you can come back to that after cooling off a little bit rather than responding to that immediately at your first gut reaction. Yeah. We haven't gotten into meditation too much yet as an actual strategy, but that can help reframe what you were talking about earlier about your fight or flight is to make your brain reframe the way that it takes in information, the way that it takes in emotions so that you don't act on that first bit that comes in. Yeah. So rather than just physically exploding back at a situation, if you're angry, to take a second, check your emotion, see where you're at on that EQ spectrum to understand why you're feeling like that. Why is this person responding or making me feel like this? And does this warrant an actual response? Like sending the email a day later instead of... (laughs) 100%. 100%.
0: 100%. 100%. The other thing I just want to add about emotional health too is, is not trying to run away from what would be deemed as negative emotions and using those as propellers to uh, towards greatness. So if you get an epiphany about yourself and then all of a sudden you feel shame, like shame isn't a good feeling, but at the same time, that is what propels you to maybe lose 30 pounds. Or I used to try and run away from stress and anxiety, starting my own business. And it's like, the sooner that you can sit with that emotion that might be negative and be able to say like, all right, like anger, I see you. What are you trying to teach me in this moment? And then let it get past like the weather pattern. So many people are like, Oh, I can't be sad. I have to be positive all the time. But if you're sad all the time, you lose that polarity of happiness and sadness. And then what is happiness if there is no sadness and like we have that emotion to give us feedback about where we're at as a person, physically, mentally, or even spiritually.
2: Yeah, totally. Somebody on our last retreat made a comment. They said, you know, if you're doing anything great in this world, like a little bit of anxiety is actually good. Like yeah. that just propels you. Like if you're not feeling unsure about something, you're not going fast enough. Like if you feel in control, you're not going fast enough. But also to your point, I think, guys are very guilty of exactly what you talked about, about running away from negative emotions and not just understanding and processing that it's okay not to be okay. Yeah. Um, it's okay not to feel perfect all the time. It's no okay not to project this air of like overconfidence and overzealousness and that you have everything under control. If you have everything under control, like you're not asking big enough questions. You're not trying to solve big enough problems. And if you're doing that, it's going to create a little bit of uneasiness. Yeah. On, on, the, on that side of sort of processing things internally, intellectual health is the next one to stimulate mental health. Um, and I want to kick this off because it will be a great way for you to talk a little bit more about what you do. Um, but when anybody asks me, you know, how do I get out of a rut? Like, I'm not quite sure what to focus on. I always say that everyone should have a side hustle. No matter who you are, even if you're the CEO of a major corporation, everybody should have a side hustle because it is something to drive learning, it's something to drive passion, and it's something to drive creation rather than just consuming things from other people. I think it's a healthy outlet for doing things. So maybe you can talk about as intellectual health, maybe how your mental health has improved going from Amazon or your corporate job, or anyone moving from a corporate job into an entrepreneurial space, and maybe how you've reframed that as a positive thing, because I definitely know there are ups and downs with that transition.
0: 100%. Yeah. I mean, intellectual, like the goal should always be to be learning, right? Whether that's learning about yourself, learning about the job, learning about the role. Um, you, when you aren't learning, you slow down, and that's when so many of those negative emotions can start to come in. Uh, like i want to be growing as fast as i can because if i'm not growing i'm slowing down i'm going backwards uh, and so in a work standpoint like i was kind of getting stressed out when i was working at amazon i had my my personal training job uh yoga instructor and, and doing all these things on the side like i would train 25 30 hours a week on top of my 40hour <laughs> amazon job like that the hustle. was hustle that was what my june looked like last year but I tried to reframe it as like, all right, this is like, Amazon's not a job. Like not, there's no Amazon. There's no down dog. There's no anything. It's like, these are all intellectual jungle gyms. And rather than doing like bicep curls, I'm going to get smarter in how I email, or I'm going to get smarter in how I, you know, approach this social situation. Or I'm going to use Amazon as a way to grow mental muscles so that when I go out and I need to use that muscle again, I've at least strengthened it. Um, in another area, and before I was at Amazon, I was at a couple different ad agencies, and those also are get like every job that you have is not a waste of time. It's only a waste of time if you didn't see ways or use ways to get stronger because skill sets is what you take from job to job, not the job. So if you can lead, if you can sell, you can do that in a mine in Africa, and it <laughs> trades over to Google you're still going to be successful. And so those are all like intellectual things that you're learning. And you just got to look at wherever you're at as an opportunity to grow mentally and like get smarter, get more efficient. Uh, Honestly, that's like some of the things i learned at Amazon are things that I'm like, wow, I'm so glad I had that environment to grow in there, like bias for actions, one of their pillars. And I'm like, goddamn, if I'm going to do one thing, it's going to be act versus like, wait to see what happens i will assess what is in the room after i've already jumped in it and gone guns a blazing (laughs)
2: yeah yeah and that i think is an interesting we is an interesting topic um because we counsel people all the time people come and say hey you know how did you guys start this how are you guys running this business like should i quit my job i want to be a fitness instructor i want to be a yoga teacher how should i go about doing this And I think I counsel people not to quit much more often than I counsel people to quit. I think, you know, you see this like kind of passionate outpouring of, hey, you know, you need to follow the side hustle. You need to do all these things like Brett and I are are pretty forward about that. But at the same time, like understanding, making that switch and finding value in what you are currently doing at work is really, really important because people have this big contrast between what they do at their job and what they want to do at this side hustle. And they don't understand that as soon as the side hustle becomes your job, you get all these other attachments along with it. So the things that used to stimulate you pull down on your intellectual health and then start to bother you mentally just the way your old job would too. And it just always comes back to like, what information are you consuming? Who are you consuming it from? Who is helping you to grow? Who are you constantly going to for learning makes a big difference. Like, You know, are are the people around you are what you're reading and watching, encouraging you to gossip, or are they encouraging you to build like private rockets to go to the moon? All these guys hanging out are now in a space race. Like most people are concerned on who's getting more likes on Instagram. These guys are building their own rocket companies to privatize space travel. It's just a whole nother level of encouragement from peers and who you're having discussions with and who you surround yourself with makes a major, major difference which is a perfect segue into talking about environmental health. I'm pretty big on this one. Um, how does your environment play into your mental health? Yeah. So
0: the first places that I go with this, um, I'll get to like the, like your social environment, because that is 100% your environment. Um, but you can't always like right away, at least control who you're around. Um, And so what I always go to for environment is like music, your social media feed and books. Like think about all the senses that you have. That's your environment. Everything that you are is things that have come externally, whether that's what society says you're supposed to do, how your parents raise you, physical things that have happened to you. Like who you are is just a reflection of what's happened to you, how you've internalized it and then how you've responded to it. So then, if I'm looking at like my environment, I'm like, all right, what kind of music am I listening to? If I have a song on repeat every day, and it says I'm not going to pay my rent, the next time rent's due, and I don't have money for it, I want to like blow it on something inappropriate. Like I proved that that thought pattern that like, eh, I'll get to rent like next month. Social media feed. You can have your feed be all about like relationships are a waste of time. I'm gonna like go party and. I'll make poor decisions tonight and figure it out tomorrow. Well, like when that opportunity comes, like what do you think you're going to make that choice about? Um, and then books and podcasts, like those are the easiest ones. Like I might not have five millionaire friends that I can go hang out with every day. But if the only words that I'm reading to and listening to and external or internalizing for my external environment are like words from a book from a billionaire, then that's my environment. And so I always tell people, I'm like, yes, you want like the five people that you hang around or the city, even like I'm in Seattle. If I was in LA, I'd probably be more active because it's sunnier. Like environment does make a difference, um, like actual like city. Um, but the quickest ones you can do is like, what music are you listening to? What's your social media feed like? And what are you reading and
2: listening to from like a podcast standpoint? Yeah. The one, the one thing I would add for me too, when I thought about that, you know, just like saying the word environment goes to physical for me right away. It's like, actually, what are you surrounding yourself with? Like what areas are you choosing to do work in? What, how, how do you present your bedroom for sleep? How do you present your workspace when you come to it? And decluttering for me is a huge one. Um, not huge on cleaning, but definitely organizing, like keeping things tidy for me and clearing like a visual space gives me a better headspace. Yeah. I think a lot of people overlook that, like having stuff strewn everywhere and crowding you crowds your headspace. Yeah. Like Marie Kondos obviously popularized the life-changing magic of tidying up, but I love that she has like a purpose for where everything goes. And everything should be purposeful like that. And that then extends out to sort of like the people in your life, how you process things, what you do for activities, how you prioritize any of your time makes this very large effect on what you think about. So for me, it's just like decluttering my headspace and decluttering my workspace, especially before I sit down to do anything creative is really, really important. Otherwise, shit just starts mounting on top of one another. And then you can't prioritize it. And then you shut down. Eventually it gets too big. You freak out, you break down. Then you got to build yourself back up rather than staying on this nice, even keel. You get these huge momentum waves, both good and bad, which especially for somebody with like a serious mental health issue can be very, very tough to navigate when the ups are so high, but then the downs are so low uh, because we don't have this middle ground we can kind of rely on.
0: There's, I mean, if you go to any kind of creative forward thinking company, you look at the environment spaces that they're in, they're so creative, so comfortable. I think that's another one is like touch, like how things feel like that's all going back into your sensory system. And you're going to interpret that and you're, if you're in like a comfortable chair and you're relaxed and now you can be creative versus if you're in a chair that you can't tell why you'd feel on edge, but it's like, it might just be like a really bad yeah, anesthetic Touch like it's just not working with that sense, um, and so I'm glad you mentioned too. Like, yeah, I I had the fortunate, I was fortunate enough to work at wine and Kennedy uh, down in Portland, which is Nike's ad agency, and it's just like the most creative space. Like you just walk in and come up with like the coolest ideas or feel like really creative as soon as you
2: walked in. Yeah, there is a vibe for sure. Um, the last piece of this puzzle. Um, in the puzzle we've constructed is the spiritual side of mental health. Um, Even I think talking about that for guys is definitely a little bit more of a vulnerable topic. Um, Talk about sort of like the spiritual side of how you keep yourself mentally healthy.
0: Yeah. Um, I think at the core of everything is you're like the questions that you ask, like, why am I here? What is my purpose? What am I meant to do? Like, what do I love doing? Like, your soul, I believe, I got. I stole this from Ed Milet, but it's like, I believe that you're born and you, you can hear your soul. It's telling you where to go if you can get quiet enough to listen to it. And then when you die, you will have an opportunity to meet that person that you could have become. And so his goal and then my goal, because I follow him, is like, I want to be familiar with that person that followed my soul's path. And I want to follow that path as closely as I can. Uh, so for me like spiritual health really comes into like what like what do I believe in what are my core values but you can't answer those questions unless you get still enough through meditation and through like studying yourself so intimately that you're able to parse out like this is what I believe and this is what my parents might have told me to believe. or this is what I believe about myself and this is what someone in the third grade said about me that i'm still holding on to so the ability to really like get so close and in touch with your soul and your true calling for me that's like that's the soul that's the core of everything outside of that you get your beliefs then your values then your capabilities and you know how you act but at the core of it is like who who am i why am i here what does my soul long for me to do and if you can figure that out then everything gets so much easier when people are trying to change like their behaviors and um, things without addressing like the core of everything and so i if i'm in touch with if i'm doing my soul's work then everything else feels a lot easier
2: yeah that is a really really great way to frame that and so many people just don't take the time or don't schedule the time to actually think about those things They start doing before they have any of those first principles, before they have any of that kind of figured out. And they definitely don't take time to reflect on that. I think you have things like faith usually get passed down from you, from your parents. Then you add in as you get older, some of these things, like maybe you got introduced to meditation through yoga and that creates some type of connectedness. But that's always what I go back to. No matter what faith you practice, no matter what type of group fitness class you join, no matter what type of social group you're ever in, it's always about connectedness. Maybe yeah. it's connectedness to greater power. Maybe it's connectedness to other people. Um, but if you lose sight of that, just because you're getting caught up in the mundane day-to-day tasks, you never take time to step back and consider what your soul, as you put it, might want. It becomes like almost like a dangerous runaway train where you, you don't even give yourself time to get back on track. And some somebody always like somebody inevitably always asks us, we have that one of our first principles is is self-care, then purpose. And people say, Well, okay, I know on the doing side, I'm taking care of myself, I'm working out, I'm eating well, I'm managing my stress, I'm sleeping enough, but I don't know my purpose. I'm going into work, I'm not quite sure it's what I want to be doing. Our counsel is always just give back, just do something for other people that taps you into some of that connectedness and gives you a purpose where that care is now. Off of yourself, like you've kind of selfishly, unselfishly focused on yourself so that you are able to care for somebody else. And that brings you back to this connectedness because I think, you know, community ends up being everything, especially for us. And as a, you know, tie in to the way I feel like that can really help with men's wellness is that creating communities where those types of things are encouraged and talked about are really, really important because they just don't exist, at least not in you know a a big mass market function we have all these different silos we have sports we have church maybe we have fitness classes we've got this but we don't have this community where these types of things that you and i are doing right now are talked about on a wide scale and i think i'm really happy that people like you are pushing that out there and especially having it come from somebody like you mentioned is such an important skill who is relatable like, Hey, I've been through all these things. I am an athlete. I am an entrepreneur. I have had a corporate job. Um, I have had these injuries, like I'm not bulletproof. Um, yeah. Being able to talk about that in a context and socially and emotionally, like very self-aware thing for you, I think is really, really important. You have more people driving communities like that.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think in order for people to feel like they can trust you, like that's going to be a key in order for you to help them. And so part of that trust is being able to say like, dude, I get it, man. I've been, so I've struggled that as well. uh, and so, uh, but going back to uh, the spiritual health as well, I think one of the reasons, especially for guys, why it's so hard is because when you are in a room by yourself, no phone, just your thoughts, like that's a scary place to be in because just as your soul is like, I'm a big Game of Thrones guy, but it's like, that's like the Lord of life. There's also like the polarity of that. And that's like, you know, the wolf of fear that if you feed that, or you can, you get that self doubt, you get that, you know, stirring of like a traumatic experience that like in order for you to journey down into the depths of your soul, you have to go through and journey yourself, which includes so many negative experiences, which, and it's really hard to do, especially for guys, because, I think women do a much better job of talking and opening up to each other. Whereas guys is very rare for them to be like, Hey dude, how are you doing? Like, how's your relationship going? How Are you feeling emotionally? Whereas women are so much more connected to your point to each other. They have those communities. They do that naturally. So there's no wonder why men have a suicide at such a higher rate than women. It's because men just store things and don't feel like they can tap into their soul or even just get vulnerable and open with other dudes
2: yeah i'm thankful that um for you sharing that I, I love that i think it's interesting having these conversations with um other guys who have gone through things like that definitely just like open up they make you feel a little bit easier about sharing things like that because that's the other thing is like as soon as that stigma gets placed on there that you have to be the biggest toughest meanest dude in the room and put your walls up it's it's over immediately you've you've set the, you know and having more people i think produce and create communities that those walls are down from the start makes it so much easier for other people to join like nobody has to place their 100 percent faith and complete trust in you. you don't have to be friends with them since grade school to hop in and immediately contribute and be like a very valuable member of that community which then ultimately gets more and more people involved Yeah,
0: and the last thing I'll add too is like, you're not one or the other. You can be both. Part of the reason why I called it Down Dog Athletics is like, you can be both an athlete and a yogi. You can be like the masculine leader of the room and cry in that same room. Like, I'd feel like Tony Robbins would be a good example of that. He's like a six eight powerhouse dude, but could go into like a women's conference and just like totally relate to them. And so it's not one or the other. It's like the goal to be both i've really had this mantra of like heart of a warrior essence of a scholar but if you go back to like any kind of like like um like history like like greek or roman history or japanese history it's like you want to be you know in the garden but as a warrior or you want to be the scholar and the warrior not one or the other a scholar in a war is going to struggle a warrior you know that can't guard like it's it's Being able to be bold is really what I'm trying to say.
2: Yeah, and I I like that anecdote that at sometimes we have to be more one or more the other and having the EQ to be able to to dial that up or dial that back down in order to connect with other people, which is ultimately the goal. And Paul, I want to say thank you for being on the show. We always ask everybody um, if you could have the best day ever tomorrow, what would it be? What would you do?
0: Oh, man. I would go see Swedish House Mafia in Stockholm and have the best, Billy's night ever. Um, for me, it's always going to be centered around um, like wake up, get a good workout in, get a good meditation in, eat some really good food with some really good friends, and then just for me, music is one of the ways like my soul really connects with just like again the senses and you know the good vibes of, of Earth and everything. So that that would be best day ever really is something physical and uh literally tomorrow swedish house mafia in stockholm all right we're
2: going to stockholm tomorrow let's book it (laughs) all right paul i just want to say thanks for being on the show today and opening up um with some awesome thoughts we really appreciate it
0: appreciate it
2: man dope sick